Hi everyone, this is Living for the Weeknight, and on today's episode we have Toby, who actually has just started out in architecture recently after quitting his job, and is now pursuing Spanish and DJing on the side. I said just quitting his job because right now I've, my mind's gone blank and I forgot what his job used to be, but you'll find out in the podcast. So Toby's actually someone I met on my travels and is now one of my really good friends in London. And uh, in this episode, if you experience any audio issues, I really apologize because as part of the process, I'm still learning about how to clean different types of audio because when you have guests, people record in different ways. So there's always kind of like different things you have to look out for, uh, but it's part of the process and it's actually quite nice to, to learn more about how audio works and the different types of settings you can do for cleaning. And also for anyone who wants to, I'd really appreciate if you could give a rating on Spotify and also uh, give it a follow. And if you have any feedback for me, again, I really appreciate it because I, yeah, I am. I don't always realize everything that is kind of wrong that I'm doing with the recording. So if you have feedback, I'll be happy to sort out stuff. And also if you have feedback over the quality of the content, again, yeah, more than happy to take it on board. So now let's step into this episode. Hey, Toby, it's good to have you on, finally. It's been a long time coming, and uh, here I am from my hostel recording an episode with you. How have you been, mate? Of course. Of course you're in a hostel. Where else would you be? No, I'm good. I'm good. Things are good my end. I, um, I'm i in London, as you know. Just just had a week in Spain, um, kind of getting getting a feel, a taste for the, the backpacker lifestyle for a week again and realizing how much I've missed it. Um, but yeah, all, all, all good my end. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting thing. Like, you know, as as we both have been so for the audience, if they do not know, Toby is another one of my friends who I met backpacking. Uh, there's a bit of a trend right now of these from these two episodes, if you can call that a trend. But um, that feeling of, you know, when we backpack for so long, even just going around in Europe and staying in a hostel for a few days, it kind of brings that nostalgia and nice feeling back of the times in Central and South America. It's great. It's great. I don't think there's anything that quite compares to the, the the feeling of freedom, the the connections that you make with people in such a short space of time. Um, it's, it's it's so good. It's 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 like a high, isn't it? It's something that I'd love to experience permanently, but obviously you can't. That's not that's not normal life. Yeah, it, it it is it is like such a high from it though. Like I feel like when you're meeting like other people traveling and everyone's like chill and like their best kind of self very happy it's like you kind of speed run friendships like compared to when you have a full-time job you're sat you're like um you know busy and stressed and just trying to make everything work absolutely i, I couldn't agree more and i think i think obviously traveling for me five six months last year was amazing and i've made really good good friendships including people like yourself um but even even there was a night out that i had in madrid and i was tra- i was i was there on on my own for a few days um and yeah made some really really good kind of quick friendships connections and then i'll probably never see those people again but it's, it's the experience that you share with those people during that that short time that is just yeah you, 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 there's nothing that quite compares to that indeed indeed and before i start talking about backpacking on this podcast which is not a backpacking podcast um uh, because I, this is going to be a repetitive theme that the audience gonna will get used to hearing and but maybe it will promote them to backpack as well yeah, who knows yeah. who knows um but let's let's step into it then. So tell me, Toby, who are you? What do you do for work? So who am I? That's a good question. I feel like my my identity seems to change every every few years at the minute. Um, so I'm I'm 26 or no, 27 years old now. Uh, I'm from the northwest of England, from Preston. I'm living in London. I've been here for the last last nine months or so. Um, and I don't think I can say I'm an architect just yet, but um, I've began my path my journey to becoming a licensed architect um a little bit later on in life than most people decide to do that but but yeah i'm i've got kind of a bit of experience in a few different fields and i decided last year or the year before that i wanted to to make the change and i'm, I'm right at the start of that journey so it's so still full of, of excitement and uh of the opportunity that awaits i suppose exciting times a new new page in your life like uh, being in especially being in a new city changing changing your location changing your career completely so that that clearly is a lot of change and like how, how have you been fi- how have you been finding that like was it um, quite difficult at the start did you find it exciting or ups and downs tell me about it i think i think i've kind of got used to used to change i um most of my life up until the age of 22 was fairly uh straightforward i kind of grew up in um 
grew up in the same town, really good group of friends around me, amazing family around me. Um, and I got to the point where an opportunity came up to move to the Middle East, to move to Qatar for, for um, working over there for a company that I was working for in the UK, um, which I went for. So I went over there for three years, uh, which was a huge change at that age, at 22 years old and being dropped into into the Middle East, um, but an amazing experience. Uh, and then I went traveling for five to six months after after being out there for three years. So yeah, moving to London and, and moving into this this next chapter of my life um, hasn't. It's not. It wasn't quite as difficult as I thought it'd be. I mean, I mean, the the process of leaving my old life, I suppose, at times it's been challenging. But but yeah, I think stepping into this chapter, I, I was super excited from day one, and I'm I'm still excited now. Um, yeah, it's good. I'm enjoying it. Would you say Would you say that your time taking that time out to go backpack and just get completely away from work after like helped you with that transition of moving to London? Massively, massively. I think, understandably, most people when they start a new job or they move to a new city on their own, it can be quite a daunting, daunting thing. But I think for me, because I'd spent six months of my life traveling and meeting new people every single day, you know what it's like. You you meet thirty people a day at times when you're traveling. You're getting used to kind of clicking with people straight away. Um, trying to remember all these names, but that kind of became the norm. So for me, moving to London and, and starting in my new job, I remember having no feeling, no no kind of feelings of nervousness or or anything. No, there was no fear. It, I was just it was another day in the life. I was going into a new location, meeting new people. Um, I suppose the only difference is I've actually had the chance to build more kind of uh, or longer longer relationships and friendships with these people because I'm I'm with them every day. So so yeah, different to traveling, obviously. But but yeah, I felt like I, I kind of got into it quite quickly, which was nice. Uh, absolutely, and I I kind of I kind of agree with you there. You know, like I found personally, I I actually had something not as maybe not super similar to you because I wasn't working in a completely different country before that. But post university, I moved for, I went I went from London, then backpacked, and then went to move to Bristol, and I had the same thing. And I thought being away, having that space and time and even you know what just like I made a friend who she was she was from Bristol and then was moving to Bristol eventually and kind of having someone that was already like living in the place it actually helped my transition so much yeah I I think that's the other thing for me being in London I I, moving here was wasn't really a big a big it didn't feel like a big decision I think because I was away and I knew I wanted to come back to Europe I wasn't too excited about going back to Preston. I mean, I love going home. I love my family. I love my friends. But I think at this stage of my life, I was kind of ready to go to to a big European city. And I was kind of thinking, if I come back to the UK, London is the place that I want to be. I had Barcelona in mind, Amsterdam, uh, Rotterdam for, for architecture is amazing. So I kind of had these places that, that I knew that I wanted to go to one of these big cities. Um, and, and finding work in architecture is so difficult, especially when you don't go through the traditional kind of education process. And the only job that I managed to find was in slap bang in the middle of London in Piccadilly Circus. So, so yeah, things kind of fell quite nicely. Um, things fell into place quite quickly. Piccadilly Circus, would you call that an architect's dream as a place in terms of how it looks? Um, uh, it's, it's an interesting place. It's, it's quite a historic, significant place in terms of central London and the the, the kind of meaning that it has to so many international visitors. I mean, every, every single day <clears throat> I walk past Piccadilly Circus um, kind of forwards and backwards and you see people coming out of the underground station, looking up at the screens, taking photos. And it, I always compare it to the, when I was in New York at the beginning of my trip last year and the first time I saw Times Square, the kind of reaction I had because it's this super famous uh, landmark area that everybody knows about. Um, I see it every day, so it doesn't really excite me too much anymore, but but yeah, it's it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I I will keep my opinions of that area to a limit. I think it's I think I think it's a I think it's an interesting area, but I think when you live in London, it's somewhere you don't really want to go. <laughs> of course, it's not a place that I spend my weekends really. Yeah, but um, so that like I was going to ask you why London out of all the places, but you've basically answered that, which is good. But why 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 the move to architecture? What was it you kind of wanted from that? It's interesting. For a long time, probably since I was at school, so t- over 10 years ago, which is frightening to say, I've always had an interest in architecture. I've always had an interest in design uh, and the way that buildings are kind of formed. To Because you, you, think, you think about what architecture means and, and how it affects people across the globe. Every single person is, is impacted by architecture in some form or another. You take shelter, you, you live in a home, you you go to an office to work, you go to a factory to work, whatever you may do in your life, everything in architecture is surrounded by everybody. I think at the age of 16, when I was leaving school, the idea of going through another eight years of studying to become an architect, I had no no interest in doing that. 
finishing school for me was an opportunity to go and get out in the, the kind of working world. I, I ended up doing a, an aerospace engineering apprenticeship. Um, I've always been interested in how things work. Um, kind of went through this apprenticeship scheme, ended up working in construction management. So even though it wasn't architecture, it was it was kind of as close as I could get to design and architecture in that in that role in that company. Um, and it's something that I've always been passionate about. And, and for a long time, I've kind of considered making the change. Um, and then I found out the last couple of years or a couple of years ago that the the Royal Institute of British Architects have, have opened up a slightly different route to qualification, which means that people with experience and, and are working within a, a practice can can qualify in a different way, which means I, I didn't have to go back to university and, and go through uh, go through the student life. Um, so yeah, I, I've, I've always had an interest and I, I, I've always found myself, I mean, friends and family probably laugh about this, but I'd sit on YouTube for hours sitting and watching architecture or architects talking about kind of even small projects, the way that somebody will turn an ex-council flat in the centre of London into amazing kind of small place that people live within. It's, it's something I've always been passionate about. So I just thought I'm at a stage now where I, I was leaving the Middle East. I was kind of closing one door and the next door that I wanted to open was, was the architecture door. So yeah, oh, I like I like that, to be honest. And it's um, because you, you would say like your life was your life was pretty secure and you, you were doing well in Qatar. So it is... It is a big move to like to do something you've done. Like you have gone from the position of where you're very financially secure. You were doing, you do, you're, you're doing good. You had that kind of stability. But does it feel like? How does that excitement feel? Of you know, you've 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 done something very big. But how does how has that been feeling? Like, did you you must have been a little bit nervous before because you know change change is exciting. Can be a little bit scary. We all deal with it in different ways. I don't know. You might have been like super excited and not scared at all. But how have you? How did you find the that kind of feeling before you started and how has it been since i think i think the idea of of transitioning into architecture that's never really frightened me i think the biggest thing that i found that the thing that kind of the most difficult thing of the process or the most difficult part of the process was leaving my old job i was i was at that company for 10 years and like you said quite secure i had good opportunities to carry on working there in the middle east i had i had opportunities to come back to the uk in the northwest and continue working there but i just i I wasn't excited about it um and and yeah i I suppose i suppose i I kind of had an opportunity in my life where it felt like the right time to do to do something else um i think leaving the old chapter was the 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 hardest decision as soon as i handed my notice in and and the wheels kind of started in motion in terms of kind of ending my uh, my my lease uh in qatar booking my flights home and, and everything else I was kind of excited for the next chapter. And obviously I wasn't going straight from one job into another. I knew that I had this six months of travel ahead of me that, that I was excited for. Um, but it's funny to think back to because I remember that the, the main reason that I decided to hand my notice in before I went traveling and why I decided to take time out was because I did a, a nine month kind of foundation course um, in architecture. And I'd, 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 I'd submitted my application for the course and I hadn't actually heard back um by the time i'd handed my notice in and i remember when i handed my notice in i was a little bit apprehensive i was worried that if i didn't get on this course i might not have ended up being able to start this kind of process this journey into architecture and that was the thing that i was most worried about and i remember i remember facetiming my dad um one one evening and just to kind of get his his support i suppose God, I've, I've, handed, I've got my notice ready. It's, it's signed. I kind of want to do this, but I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know what's next. And I remember his words so well. He, he said to me, Toby, I was, I was your age or, or a little bit older. He was like, I was late 20s, early 30s. Um, I was working at the bank. I had a stable job. I had a family, three children, a wife, food to put on the table. And he was, and I remember the moment that he did this, but he was telling me when he handed his notice in at the, at the bank, he decided he, he wanted to go and do his own thing. And he was, he was petrified at the time. And I remember him telling me that and I felt so inspired and so motivated. I was like, right, that's it. I can do this. I don't have a family. I don't have any financial um, ties. There's, there's, I'm kind of on my own. I can, I can do this now. And I remember having the conversation and then my mum came into the room and she was kind of like, go on, Toby, do this. It's, it's kind of, it's now or never kind of thing. And then my brother and sister are both away. They're both in Australia at the minute. Um, and it's rare that all my family are together. But my brother was at home and my sister was back from Australia. And they were all in the room at the same time, kind of giving me that final push. And I was just like, you know what? This is this is it. This is the moment. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll always remember that because that, that felt like a really significant part of the process. I mean, I've got a really, I'm really, really lucky to have such a supportive and amazing family. 
Um, but yeah, to have them all in the room and even even our pet dog Ralph there as well. It was yeah, it was it was what I needed. Was Ralph barking <laughs> you up there in the background? He was, he was probably trying to eat some socks, looking as confused as he always does. <laughs> He's like, why is Toby on a screen yeah. and where are my who is, socks? Who is this this man? This foreign looking man. <laughs> uh, but no, that like it's sometimes you get that feeling of if not now then when, and it's something that. It's something I've had, like, you know, I've, I've done very different things to you, but just that feeling of when I qualified as an actuary, like, if I don't quit now and backpack, when am I going to do it? Like, it's, um, and I think it's, 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 it's a thing that's a bit scary to take the plunge because you can always think about how the future is going to go. But sometimes you've got to just, like, stop thinking about the future just a little bit and just do yeah. it. And I, th- I think that's when the best things in life happen. Going into the unknown for me is something that I've always, I've always thrived within. Making a decision and not fully knowing how, how things are going to pan out there's always a bit of excitement in that. And I think I, I can, uh, my, my issue is that when, when life feels mundane, I can get a little bit bored and then I start to think, oh, what if, what if this, what if that? And I think when I, when I was in Qatar, I was, I was doing a, a degree in construction management and, and I always had that as like a, not an end goal, but that, that was what I was kind of working towards. Um, and I was fortunate enough because the company I was working for had paid for that. So it was something I was kind of tied into. And I remember finishing my degree and I was just, I had this this strange feeling where that should be something that people are super proud and super passionate about. Um, like it's a huge life achievement getting getting a bachelor's degree, and I just had no no emotion. I remember speaking to my parents. I got the certificate through. There was talk about flying to to the UK to do my graduation. I just had no interest in it. No no interest in in the in kind of celebrating the the completion of my degree. So yeah, I think I think throughout the process there, there's been a number of things that have kind of helped help me realize that maybe this isn't quite the right path there's something that i want to go and go and follow and for sure and it's like it's hard in life to do everything perfectly of how you want to do it as you're growing because you're always changing as a person anyway and it's hard and you're discovering like um you know things could things could end up different you can think oh this is my dream i want to do it i'm going to do it from age 18 do it and then it's not for you but equally you can do some you and then that can lead you to kind of discovering what it is you want to do and um so like a big reason that i wanted you on the podcast is is because you are actually a serial doer you do so much you do like and i i know for a fact like your passion for architecture is very real like as you talk about you mentioned like you mentioned that you watch a lot of you've always been watching a lot of video youtube videos about it you're always reading up and then like i've seen you doing things which are really trying to aid your progress in the field like for example seeing you like actually learning to sketch from square one just just because you want that to aid like your your dreams here of uh becoming an architect it's it's funny i I think it's only when i speak to other people about the things that i do in my life that i kind of realize as a kid when i was 16 years old i was a very different person to the person i am today i think I've, i've got i've got so much drive and energy to kind of push myself in all sorts of different directions, pushing myself out of my comfort zone, traveling solo for six months, following this architecture dream, this architecture passion. Like you said, going and meeting my, my tutor that I've got on my course in, in the British Library and, and sketching. I felt, it kind of felt, I felt like some kind of cultured, I don't know, some kind of cultured artist. I'm, I'm just, I'm Toby. I'm not, I'm not, that's not really the person that I would I would say that I am, but these are the things that I'm kind of pushing myself into, um, and even Spanish learning Spanish is something that's a journey that you're going on as well, and and something that I'm I'm, I'm continuing to do. I've got some got some kind of DJ decks recently, and I'm teaching myself how to mix music. There's there's so much that I'm doing, and it's I suppose it comes back to probably the theme of this podcast. These are these are all things that are it's kind of testing my own creativity, I suppose. I've never I've never really considered myself to be a super creative person. But I think the more that I explore these creative avenues, the more that I'm realizing there's there's so much creativity within me that's that's, that's been locked away for so many years. Um, yeah, and I I can agree with you more there. Like um like as you know, I'm like pursuing a lot of new creative uh, passions as well, and it's stuff that I have never done before like you know I, my life for a very long time was basically you know working more studying no time for this and that and the minute I told myself that I was going to get some time I thought fuck it I'm going to commit to it and like try and pursue all of these passions and it's it it, it is like I when you talked about there um that you never considered yourself like a creative person 
and you realize like you do have this creativity there like this creativity that's that's like ready to like burst i'm exactly the same i never considered it myself and i i truly believe that everyone does have creativity in them it's just what could dictate uh whether you can discover it is if you have a passion for wanting to do something and also like if you can get yourself to start doing something because that's that's the most difficult thing sometimes we we might even have a passion for something but we just tell ourselves from the start no i'm not creative i can't do it but you you really you never know unless you try yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more with that i think that's that's the the thing for me i i when i did the course last year so i'm i'm currently studying what is tradition traditionally the kind of part one so kind of degree bachelor's degree equivalent in architecture but last year to, to progress onto this stage i had to do what was called a foundation in architecture and i i think that was a real kind of wake-up call for me because it was a, it was focused not towards learning about architectural history architectural theory learning about the design process it was purely kind of stripping architecture back to its purest form and and teaching the students including myself about creativity and maybe that's part of the reason as to why i'm in this headspace now but it was it was as simple as seeing and appreciating the creative process in absolutely everything that's around you you think about your Every single day of your life, even even going on Netflix and binge binge watching six episodes of Black Mirror like I did last last weekend, it's it's there's a creative process behind people creating these documentaries, these stories, these these TV programs. Every single book that you pick up and read, there's a creative process that somebody's gone through to create that 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 story that that you read, and that 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 goes all the way through to waking up in the morning, cleaning your teeth and picking up a, a, a toothbrush. Somebody's gone through a process of designing that, thinking about the ergonomics, thinking about how you, how you hold that, thinking about what it actually means to, to clean your teeth. It sounds a little bit ridiculous, but everything that's around you, whether it's man-made, I suppose mainly man-made, but even even natural things, you can certainly take inspiration and, and appreciate the beauty of, of, of nature around us. So yeah, that was a, that was a really big kind of, eye-opener for me and something that I think is quite an important thing for most people to think about in terms of creativity. It, it is and it's like I really resound you on that point that there's a creative process for everything because for ex- like I think I when I started realizing like how deeply I started I was thinking about the creative process was when I was going to certain I never used to be someone who was that into museums or art exhibitions and one thing that actually struck me was when I was traveling and going to different exhibitions I wasn't always thinking about the like the actual piece of art and what it looked like I was think I kept thinking about what was going through the, the thought process of the person when they were making this? How did they get started? How did they, like, did they have a plan? Were they doing it free flow? And just even, like, the little minute details of, like, what was the creative process behind the frame they chose and, like, how that matches their piece of art? Like, that's kind of what was going through my head rather than the actual art, just kind of more how it was made. That's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's easy to walk through a museum and, and, I mean, I'm guilty of doing this. You walk through the tape model and, and you might see certain things that you appreciate, but there's so much... <laughs> There's so much in places like that that it can be so overwhelming. But you just think every single little thing that's in there, even if it, even if you look at it and it doesn't really mean too much to you, even if you don't fully understand what it means and what the the person that created it was trying to was trying to portray. There's so much. There's so much that's gone into that. There's so many decisions that have been made. It might have been weeks, months, years of of work to get to that point so that this person can portray something in the way that they want to portray it. It's yeah. When, when you think about things in that way and you see things from a a slightly different light everything you can, you can find beauty in everything you can really appreciate everything that's around you oh 100 percent, and i couldn't agree with that more and so before you also talked about how you're learning spanish you're learning to dj you're sketching um so would you say they're the main things you do outside of work or is there anything else uh what else it tends to change it tends to change i think if you asked me that question three or four months ago i decided to, to sign up to a half marathon so i was doing quite a lot of running uh, quite a lot of training in the gym. I've, I've been, I'm guilty. Of, I've not really been into the gym too much recently. I need to get back into that. But yeah, I think, I think my studies as well. So sketching and and I think one of the best things about the the course that I'm doing is is obviously there's the architectural theory side, which is for me really really interesting and something I want to learn a lot more about. But there's also the design project, which when you're doing a design project, there's so many creative avenues that you can go down with that. So so yeah, I think. Every week in my life seems to be different. I'm I'm not on the decks every weekend. I'm not. I suppose I learn Spanish every weekend, but, um, but yeah, learning Spanish is definitely a, a, a one of the main things that I'm doing at the minute. And I think I think trying to trying to prioritize 
a social life in London is something that I've really I've really pushed. I think there were, there were times living in the Middle East, certainly when I first moved over there and, and having COVID or living through COVID over there, that was that was quite a tough time at times where I felt quite alone, uh, as most people did in the world. So I think being in London now, being fortunate to have a really good kind of social life here and some really good friends that I've made here, it's, it's, it's actually, a, again, appreciating going out, having a beer, sitting down with people, having conversations. And appreciating that a lot more now, given certain times of my life that weren't weren't quite as social. Definitely, and I, I can agree with you more there. Like it kind of like as a lot of people had a very bad time in the pandemic, myself included. But I think the good thing that came out of it was it really started like after what felt like some years lost in my life. It really pushed me to just be like, preach, just go and do what you want to do. Like you know, fuck it, go do it. And I think that is quite a nice thing that has come out of it. Um, I actually wanted to also like touch on a bit more about I'm going to touch on about the Spanish and the DJing like separately but so you're learning Spanish weekly um I remember because we you did Spanish school a bit before me in um our travels when you did it in Guatemala and then you were going to go do it in um, Colombia which actually inspired me to trial it out as as well as much as you know I didn't like that Spanish school um which I I blame for uh, certain people getting me uh, gastroenteritis not going to name names but they know who they are um but um yeah, like with Spanish, how has it felt like from starting out where you didn't know a word of Spanish to like, like uh, the first thing I want to ask is like, where did that passion to want to learn come from? Do you know what? I, I, I kind of talk about this quite a lot. I've got one of my best friends at home. He lived in he lived in Spain for, I don't know, four or five years when he was younger. Um, and I met him at high school. He joined, he came to our high school in the last year or the, the year before the last year. Um, and we, we knew that he lived in, in Spain and everyone Everyone assumed that because he lived in Spain, he was Spanish, so he, he became known as Spanish Dan, and he had he had blue a blue fringe for a, for a few months. So he, yeah, anyway, he was this, he was this exotic guy that had joined our school, um, and the summer after I met him, I went I went to to Spain with another one of my friends, and Dan Dan's uh, place in Spain was super close to where I was staying with my other friend, so so we went to see him and we spent a few days with him, and I remember being in a restaurant. Um, and and ordering some food, and I'd never really experienced this before. I think with the UK, most people speak English. Obviously, obviously in London, Manchester, these big international cities, it's a little bit different. But certainly, Preston in the northwest, you don't really get people learning languages. It's not really something people do because you don't need it when you travel. And I remember this is the first experience in my life where somebody that I was really good friends with spoke another language fluently. And I remember sitting at sitting at the table, figuring out what I wanted to eat and the waiter coming over and speaking in Spanish. And he this the waiter just made he made noise to me that made no sense. And then my friend Dan understood the noise that he'd made and then he replied with a similar set of noises that kind of sounded similar but obviously were different. And then these two were communicating in a language to me that was completely foreign. I didn't understand the word they were saying. I was so blown away by that. So blown away that my friend, he spoke English natively because he's English and he obviously lived here when he was younger. Um, and then he went over to Spain and then he spoke Spanish. He tells me he speaks Spanish like a 13-year-old, but for me it sounded, it sounded like the, the best Spanish I'd ever heard. And I, I don't know, I think normally when you hear languages, it's people, certainly when I was growing up, it was you're on holiday you're in a taxi and it's people that you you don't know too well but to 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 observe my friends speaking these two languages so well i was blown away but blown away by it i think i don't know whether it was that from that point but i've always i've always said i wanted to learn a language and i remember going through periods where i tried to learn spanish here and there but it's one of those things that you really have to commit to 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 get anywhere anywhere with it's probably one of the most tedious and painful process yet most rewarding processes that i've been through and i'm certainly nowhere near fluent i've got a lot more to to learn um but yeah and that's, so i think i think that was it and then going going traveling knowing that i was going to be in central and south america for six months i was like right if there's any time that you're going to learn the language now is the time you're going to be in these places where people don't speak english and i was at home for two months before i went off traveling and I was sat on Duolingo every day, literally every day for like two months. I, was, I had two or three hours of Spanish where I was, I was, I had a tutor, a guy in Barcelona that I was having lessons with two or three times a week. And it was a really, really Im- immense, intense, immersive experience. But I still felt like I knew nothing. Um, I knew the basics. And then I remember getting to Mexico City. That was my first, my first stop on my trip. 
um, or in Latin America anyway. And I remember getting to the airport and trying to ar- arrange a fee with a taxi, trying to agree a price with the taxi driver. And I was full of confidence. I was like, I know Spanish. I've been learning for two months. And that was what it really hit me. I was like, fuck, you know absolutely nothing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a beautiful process. It's it's amazing. And I kind of want to like touch on that point because you know I've been learning Spanish as well, and I know I know that feeling because when you start, it can be a very humbling experience of how little you know, and yeah. it's actually it's actually something where I think it's your first your first kind of few portions of learning the language is when it's the hardest. I think that's when most people give up because you um you start off and you're like I'm getting better, and then you have a com- and then it just takes one conversation where it can really hit you quite hard that like you feel like i'm not learning anything i don't know anything but you you have to overcome that and how how have you found like when you reach those stumbling blocks like what's it look like have you ever felt like you wanted to give up or and how how do you kind of like push through onto that next level i think there's there's so many times i I don't think i've ever felt like i want to give up with it i think there's times where i've just been the the thing with learning a language I'm, i'm 27 years old now I feel like I'm I'm at the stage of my life where I'm quite confident in myself. I know who I am. But learning a language now reminds me of 14, 13 year old Toby when you you're kind of in you're a teenager, you're trying to figure yourself out, you you're turning up to I don't know, certain like family not family occasions, but you you might feel a little bit awkward talking to adults. I kinda of feel like that again now. So, so last week I was I was in Spain because I went to visit a really good friend um that I met in, in Qatar. Um he's Spanish, he was he lives in the US now and him and his wife were home. Uh, to celebrate their first child's first birthday and I, I stayed with I stayed with them for three or four days in this remote village town not too far from Valencia and I know Spanish enough to get by but I was dropped into this kind of family this house it was kind of like a language exchange and I realized at that point how little I actually knew but I, I also kind of realized how how rewarding the process is of, of people knowing that you're English and just assuming ah oh, he doesn't he doesn't speak any Spanish but then going through the process of, of actually communicating with these people and, and it's 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 broken Spanish but I was speaking with my, my friend's dad um, for about an hour one night and I remember we, we, we spoke spoke about quite a lot Spanish culture bull his views on like bullfighting and bull running and all these like <laughs> controversial topics and then we, we veered onto Brexit and Spanish politics and I, I was kind of at my limit then I was like wow this is I could have had to say to him this is a little bit too too far for me but I think at times like that, I can get a little bit frustrated because I'm like, ah, why can't why can't I speak? Why can't I speak about this? Why don't I have this vocab this vocabulary to be able to to explain this? And then when I think about where I was two years ago, I, I couldn't even say my age properly. So when I think about that transition period I've been on, even though there's times where you feel stupid, you feel you feel awkward, you feel like a teenager again because you're in this new environment trying to communicate in a different way. When I when I think back to where I was two years ago when I knew absolutely no Spanish to where I am now, I'm like, fuck you. You've, you have come so far with this and I think the other thing with Spanish or language learning in general there's no linear process as you've probably, you've probably figured this out pre I'm quite structured in the way that I like to have a plan step one step two step three and kind of go go through a process to get to the end point probably my engineering background and the way that my my brain works language learning doesn't doesn't work like that because you can try that but then you forget half the things that you learn in step one and then you need them to have a conversation in step 15 it's it's kind of all over the place which has kind of got its own yeah it's its own beauty within the process it's amazing it is it's and like there is so much beauty in that process because it's it's something that's so different for everyone in terms of how you learn and stuff and i actually do find like as you said you um you know you were in you were in valencia and you were talking to your friend's dad sometimes when you put yourself in those opportunities where you really like you you start learning the language in a bit of a different way but like it's because you know we've all had it you know when you you're traveling and when you're just having these short conversations with people you're just meeting in spanish you're kind of really practicing that same spanish over and over again so you're getting good at that and then all of a sudden they ask you a question and there's two of the words you don't know and then you're yeah. like um uh... It's, it's like I I always think it's like it's like English though, and I, I I remember when I first moved to the Middle East, I was all of a sudden I'd gone from being in, in the northwest of England all my life until the age of twenty two, and speaking speaking with most people that you interact with in, in Preston are native English speakers, so you kind of you get used to just speaking in that way and everybody understands you. I remember when I first went to the Middle East and I and I was sat in a meeting room with all sorts of people 
my my Spanish friend was in there, uh, Filipino guys, Indians, uh, a Scottish guy, uh, Lebanese, a real international uh, group of people. And I remember speaking in the way that I would would have spoke at home and, and trying to explain some requirements for two minutes in a meeting. And then just looking at the sea of faces, looking at me with complete confusion. And that was like the first realization for me. I'm like, right, okay, if I want to communicate with these guys, not you don't need to dumb your English down, but you need to use you need to use words that are understood by the the international non-native English speaker. And I kind of feel like that with Spanish. I feel like when you speak to somebody in Spanish that knows that you're learning, they will use language and terminology that you understand. Being dropped in the middle of Valencia in this family environment. It was it was it was wild because that's that is that is language I suppose. If we spoke as robotic between ourselves as as you would with somebody that's non-native in English, it's a little bit boring, isn't it? Um, but yeah. So you were mentioning that that feeling of you know when you're presenting in a board meeting in uh, in Qatar, and you know I think what it is that for us English people, it's not. It's not always. Um, it's, it is using more simplified English in terms of language the international audience uh, can understand. But also, we have a habit of not speaking the English language properly, and um, you know, speaking a lot of slang. And I think it's actually a really good skill, like something backpacking gives you as well, to actually have to change the way you communicate. And I think, as you said, that actually links into like teaching you how to learn Spanish in a bit more of an effective way, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I think I think the language learning process for me has done has done two things. I think it's it's really helped me appreciate. There's so many people, especially in the job that I'm in now. There's or, or being in London. There's so many people that work and live in a foreign language, and and for me, learning Spanish now, I I appreciate that so much. I think when when I was younger and I go away and and people don't speak English, I wouldn't turn my nose up, but I'd kind of. I kind of question why that is. Like, oh come on, you surely you want to learn, you want to learn English to a to a point where you can communicate with people. I've spent two years now learning Spanish at quite a rate, having lessons most weeks and and trying to absorb as much as I can. And I feel like I am nowhere near the point that I feel like I probably would what the 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 place that I thought I would have been at two years ago now, if that makes sense. So I've got I've got so much respect for the people that live their lives in a foreign language, and I've also I've also really appreciated. Oh, I now really appreciate how communicating for me to communicate with somebody that isn't a native English speaker, or not even just that, somebody that isn't British. You speak to some Americans in a in in a certain way. I remember this on my trip, and and they won't necessarily understand the certain things that you say you, that you're trying to say, or you'll say a word that to them means something completely different. So it's yeah, it's getting it's getting used to communicating in a way where everybody understands. And it's so true, like. In this hostel, I'm saying that now, I remember a few weeks ago, there was an American talking to someone from Sunderland, and it was almost like they were speaking two different languages, because the American people could not understand them for the life of them, and it was just quite... It's so, it's so it, 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 it is, and um, but it's given me as well like an appreciation for people who do live their life in a foreign language, because you know, in the process of learning a language, it's not straight away that all your thoughts are in that second language. Um, but as you like, do you do the same? Where sometimes I have to, if I want to say something, I have to think about it in English. Sometimes, if I'm really trying to struggle to think of the words. Uh, yeah, I. I... I think the the only time when I don't do that is when I'm saying the most basic things. When I'm saying things that I've said so many times, like like it, it's okay in Spanish, esta bien, esta bien. Like you, you, I don't even think about that; it just comes out of my mouth. As soon as I'm as soon as I, as soon as I'm trying to con- construct a bit more of a complex sentence, that's where I do I, I I do kind of fall into thinking about it in English, and then quickly trying to think about okay, English, how does that adapt to Spanish, and then trying to kind of build your sentence that way. And I think. That's also made me realize now, when you speak to certain people, you speak to somebody whose native language is Spanish, for example, they will usually make the same mistakes, and you kind of get used to those mistakes being made. Like Spanish people will say no at the end of most things that they say. And I've always thought, why is that? Why are you saying no to confirm? But then you realize when you start to learn language, that you start to learn Spanish, that that is a very common thing in their language, and that's something that I've started doing now when I speak Spanish. Yeah, because it's um, that thing. It's they're not saying no as in no. It's like, am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Like I, so now, like I wanted to like actually talk a bit more about your uh, about DJing because with Spanish you're doing weekly lessons, very committed to it, to making it work. And I've seen how hard you work with that in terms of the outside stuff you do too. Um, but DJing, it's like 
because as you know me too i'm trying to learn to dj so there's a theme here um but how how like tell me like how did you get started into that and what has the process been like so far i think it's, it's something i've always wanted to try i think i i've always loved electronic music and i've always kind of been to different events where I've thought, ah, oh, this is the idea of mixing music and creating these sounds in different ways. I've always thought to be quite a cool thing. I think the idea of actually buying some decks and, and giving it a go, I've always just put off. I, I remember I had this <clears throat> this period. I got back from traveling. Um, I remember speaking to Will about this quite a lot because Will's really into his DJing and, and Paul as well, having conversations with Paul. And I remember getting and yourself actually. I know that you were keen to learn. I remember getting back from my trip and I had. I had like six months between my, my foundation course finishing with my architecture and then the next stage starting in, in the March. I was like, you've got six months without any studying. What the hell are you going to do with yourself? So I was like, right, I'll just buy some decks. And when I first got them, I was using them a lot and kind of stumbling my way through them. I had a few different sessions with different people where people were teaching me the, the ropes. And I, I'm, I, I still, I'm still not great now. I still don't know that much. But it's, it's more the process of just getting them out, mixing a bit of music, having... Uh, I don't know, having a, having a bit of fun on them. And especially when you're with somebody else. I think when I'm on my own, I, I don't really use them. But I had I had a, uh, a friend of mine that came down to stay with me a few weeks ago. And we got them out and we were kind of playing them together. And I was kind of teaching him how to use them. And I really enjoyed that. It was We were on them for probably four hours, just mixing music. And like we were so excited. Um, so yeah, it's, something, it's not something that... I think with Spanish, I'm really, really putting the time in. I think with, with DJing, it's not something that I ever will... I don't want to play for people. I think it's just for my own my own enjoyment and being with friends, mixing music. It's just it's good. It's a good. It's a good laugh. It's enjoyable. And that's the thing. It's like a passion for yourself. It doesn't necessarily have to be something you're gonna do as your professional job or monetize or make money from. It can be purely. It can be purely for yourself. And um, it's like and like I really do respect that because I think sometimes people can get a bit too sucked into thinking if I'm gonna learn to DJ and then. I, I, how am I going to get to the stage of DJing in a club? And it's like you don't, you don't exactly need to, to be honest. It's whatever you want from it is kind of like how you are satisfied with your passion. Exactly, and I think it, it, I, I, I do, I do so many things. I think if I, if I push myself to the, to the limits on every single thing that I do, I would, I would, I think I'd, I don't know what would happen. My heart would probably blow up or something. That's because there's so much, there's so much that, so many different things I'm trying to put my energy towards. And I might not, I might not use them for, I don't know, two months, and then I get them out and have a bit of fun, and then I might not use them for a month. So it's not something that I'm really consistent with. But I also think you can't be consistent with everything. You, you're studying, you're learning Spanish, trying to keep fit, trying to get out running, you're trying to socialise, you're trying to, you're trying to carry, or maintain a full time job, quite a stressful job. It's like there's only so many hours in the day. So, so yeah, it's, I think it's, it's more a thing that I'll, I think when, you, when you're back in, you're back in London, we'll have to, we'll have to have a little session see what we can see what we can do definitely that would be such good fun and like i think i think with it it's like i was gonna ask you like how what do you think like progress looks like with it because i'm kind of of the mind like it's taken me a very long time to kind of get here with that respect where it doesn't have to be like you know such big steps or on a timeline i think just little by little if you're getting better if you're getting better know how no matter how small that step is like you know just getting a transition right i think that's kind of what what it's about like what do you think uh with that with respect to that matter i think that's like anything in life isn't it i think there's, there's certain things that everyone would love to be amazing at what they what they want to do straight away and i think with, i was like that with spanish when i first started learning spanish i was like right six months fluent that's it that's my plan and then you kind of get to the six month point and you're like right okay i can i can say my name i can ask how somebody is i can talk about my family what's the next stage and and i've i think i've realized now i'm two years in I've still got so much to learn, but I've kind of realized that even if I improve my language, like, I don't know, 1% every single week, that still accumulates over over a longer period to to a lot of um, a lot of improvement. And I think it's like that with anything in life. I, I've, I've decided to, be, to kind of move into architecture recently, and it's something that I've got a lot of experience in construction and, and design management, and I know a lot more than the average person that comes out of university in terms of practical understanding and practical knowledge of the of the profession but when i pick up a pen and i try and draw that's something that i'm learning and yeah of course i'd love to be i'd love to be an amazing sketcher someone that can just pick things up and portray their ideas in a certain way but it's something that that's a weakness of mine and something that i'm i'm actively trying to trying to improve and even going to 
going to the British Library with my tutor and just sitting and and it was as simple as just watching my tutor draw and, and draw in perspective and just her just kind of explaining the process she was going through. And and it was interesting because even though usually when you see somebody's drawings or or somebody sketching, it's on Instagram or you'll see the end result and you're like, wow, that's amazing. I could never ever do something like that. Watching my tutor build up this this sketch on a page, it it didn't look amazing. She won't mind me saying this, but it didn't look look amazing as she was going through the process of building up the the kind of the drawing, the base of the drawing. And then when when she starts to add detail and she starts to to shade in a certain way and add depth to, to the drawing, I'm like, wow, that's that's when the drawing starts to pop. And when you sit there and watch somebody do something in, in that seems impossible, and you kind of see the process that they go through, you realise actually it's not that difficult. I'm, I'm I'm I can't draw anywhere near as good as my my tutor can. But if I if I gave this the time and the, the attention for the next five years that, that I probably need to, then there's no reason why I can't be at that point at, at that time. No, sorry, I was just going to say, um, I think like that's such a good point there where I think, especially because we're given a similar age, I don't know how it is now. When you go to school, especially like the way you're taught art, it's quite often you think, oh, you've got to be gifted at it or you're just not not cut out for it. But it is, a lot of these things are learned skills and like little by little you can progress if you put time into it but i think there's been a big misconception that in the artistic world you're either born with it or you're not which yeah. i don't think is true yeah I, I and that's i think that's something i've really really learned recently and I, I keep coming back to it but learning a language for me i've gone from i learned spanish at school for a year or two years didn't remember a thing um other than the basics but going from speaking absolutely no spanish to, to being able to communicate in a language that used to be completely foreign to me now i'm like oh, actually you have gone from a complete beginner in this in this skill set to where you are today there's no reason why you can't do that in anything else in life I, like you said i've never when i was at school i wasn't really artistic i wasn't really creative used to hate music used to hate drama didn't hate art but i didn't i didn't love it i wasn't really one of those children that would sit down and and sketch and draw like other people that go into architecture maybe but where i am now realizing that that's a, that's quite an important skill skill set for an architect to have I, I realise now that it's a pro, it's just a process like anything else in life. Riding a bike, learning how to ride a bike, learning how to speak, learning how to walk, run, swim, whatever it may be. It's just something that you can you can learn. I, I like that learning how to walk, run, or swim. That's actually just that is such a good point. And uh, another thing I kind of wanted to touch on then was before we mentioned like it's little by little and it can take time. But you know if if we were all able to just to look at something, pick it up and be perfectly straight away, I think it would be a bit boring, wouldn't it? I think it, there's an excitement. There's excitement with, although, you know, you hit the times where you can lose a bit of encouragement, but kind of getting past that and seeing yourself develop is, for me, that can actually be more exciting than the end result sometimes. Uh, absolutely. It, it would be it would be such a boring boring life if everyone did the same thing. And I, and I think there are so many things out there that people can, can put their time and, and kind of attention towards. And, and you can excel. I'm a strong believer you can excel in at anything in life. I think it's just picking... It's picking the things that you want to excel within, and and this is probably where I, I'm quite spontaneous in the fact that I will I will become addicted with things. I remember when I was kind of late teenage late teenager early twenties, I was really into mountain biking. Me and a, me and a few mates um, just loved the adrenaline of going into the mountains, and especially being from the northwest of England, you you spoiled by by the places around there that you can take a, a mountain bike into. Um, and I became obsessed with it. I'd be I'd be cleaning it every night. I'd be I'd be putting new parts on it sending photos to my mates um a little bit sad really so yeah i got got super addicted to that kind of got into cl- rock climbing bouldering um i was going and doing that three times a week not not that i ever wanted to compete or anything but became kind of really really focused and fixated on that thing and then kind of got, got bored of it I, in fact no that's when i moved to moved to the middle east and then even now being back in being back in the uk i've got these other things that i'm doing learning spanish um studying le- learning how to draw the kind of social side of being in London. I, I do wonder whether I will always be like that, whether something that I've become interested in, something that I've become fixated on. And even I'm, I'm going away in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, I'm going to go to, to France for a week with my parents. Um, it don't, we don't really spend time away like that these days. Um, my brother and sister are in Australia, so I thought it'd be a nice thing to go and do. But going, knowing that I'm going to France in six to eight weeks, I'm like, right, how much French can I learn before then? And I'm just like, I was speaking to somebody at work today and they're just like, chill out you're learning spanish just one thing at a time and i think that's 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 quite an important thing there are there are so many things you can you can watch wimbledon and think oh wow wouldn't it be amazing to be that good at tennis and yeah if, if you're at a young age if you put that much time into something like that i'm a believer that you could you could get to that point 
But that you have to sacrifice so many other things and not realise that you can't pursue so many other things in the process of, of getting to that that end result. Me me kind of making the transition into architecture, you realise that okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and start at the bottom again. I'm I'm walking away from a stable career, I'm walking away from what I'm I'm used to and what I know. But I'm okay with that because I know that even though I'm not at the end goal now, in another eight, seven or eight years, when I'm when I'm a licensed architect and I can I can do my own thing, set up my own practice practice or whatever I end up doing, this this journey of getting there and the time that I've put in, I know I'll look back on and think, ah, okay, you've you've arrived. This is this is the journey that you set yourself. Uh, no, I I couldn't agree more there as well. Like it's so easy to be like I want to do all of this at the same time, but it's just it's part of the process and le- learning to park stuff, which is totally fine. It's not saying oh I can't do it and I'll never do it. You can just park it for another time when maybe it might come back into your life. And it's such an important skill because trying to do everything all at the same time at once, it's very hard to make progress in all the things at the same time. Some people do it. Some people are crazy, and I I love them for it. Uh, like I think. I think you're crazy in a good way in terms of how much you do um but again people often tell me i do a lot as well but i think it's very common to get that imposter syndrome around it and not to see it until people actually tell you about that yeah yeah i I, it's it's this concept of of finding balance isn't it what is balance it's for me it's kind of it's it's i've been through times obviously i'm living on my own in in croydon at the minute which is quite a way out the city um it was super hard to try and find a flat with with Will and, and Alex when I first moved to London. So I ended up in this in this flat in South in South London, which is an amazing place to live in. It I'm really grateful for the opportunity that I got to 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 move to this place. Um, but I, I found myself during times when I was doing a lot of studying and kind of focusing on Spanish, learning studying for towards my architecture stuff. I was just kind of on my own in my flat and driving towards all these different things. And then you kind of feel like ah, oh, it's been it's been two weeks. You made a lot of progress. But you've not met up with any friends. You've not, you've not had a beer. Like you've not, you've not socialised. And then I'm, I feel like, ah, okay, I need to go and go and do that and 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 um, trade a bit of social energy. And then I do that for too much. Two weeks go by and I'm I'm drinking too. I feel like I'm drinking too much. I'm I'm spending too much time with all these people. And then studies sacrificing. I'm just sacrificing my studies. I'm sacrificing my Spanish. So it's, I'm constantly in this yo-yo where I'm like, ah, fuck, I need to do this. I need to do that. Whereas you just realise over time that just just follow what. Just follow what you feel like you want to do. If you want to do some studying, great. If you want to go and socialise, just, uh, yeah. I suppose I'm trying to teach myself not to stress about these things and just take life as it comes. Things get, you get busy at times, but it's 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 all right. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it, exactly. And it's like, it was actually something I was about to ask you about. I was about to kind of segue in terms of like, it's not just balancing your creative passions while working. You've also got your social life, your friends, your family, and it's, you made such a good point there something i need to tell myself as well it's too easy to be like i'm not socializing enough now i'm socializing too much i'm not spending time on projects but i think the key thing as you just said is just be happy with what you're doing just you know it's fine to pick one thing it's fine to go enjoy your time with your mates even if you you might not i don't know you might not get on the decks for a month but it's not like i think if you start to hold yourself to i must be doing this i must be doing that it can kind of start to hamper a bit on the beauty in the process but at the same time, it's it's not as it's not as easy as that, you know. It's not as easy to deal with life like that. But you got to do your best. Yeah, and it, it, it can be so easy to to turn things down. I, I spoke to my brother. So my brother's recently gone over to to Sydney for for eight weeks. He's he's had the opportunity to go over with work and um and work over there for eight weeks. And I, and I spoke to him on the phone the week before he went. And he he kind of he kind of because I had no intention to go back to see him off because I was thinking, ah, oh, seventy pound for a train to get up there. I've got quite a busy weekend coming up, and I remember speaking to him on the train uh, when I was on the train um, on the way into the city one day, and I, I had a conversation with him, and he was like, "Are you, you going to come and see me off before I go?" And I think in a bit of a jokey way. I remember that really took me back. I was like, "He's going to Australia? Yeah, it's for eight weeks. It's not permanently, but he's he's making such a big move to go over and, and experience something new." I'm two hours away now. It's it's a train journey. Yeah, it's seventy pound that probably felt like I didn't want to spend. Not 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 spend it on my brother, but. It's not something that I plan to do, but then I, I, I kind of realised being here, especially being in the Middle East for for three years and being a seven-hour flight away to to see family and friends and stuff. It's that, that's something that I also really try and prioritise. Going home, going home on these nice occasions, going home for Mother's Day, going home to see my brother off, and and just spending quality time with family and friends and the people that I feel like I've I've not had the opportunity to spend time with for for so long. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. It kind of puts things in perspective like that. And like another thing I kind of wanted to stem off when we're talking about balance was 
how do you find pursuing these things you enjoy like how does it affect your well-being and mental health like are there time there'll be times of elation but you find sometimes times where you hit a bit of a mental block if you're doing quite a lot and if you do if you do hit a bit of a block how do you deal with it like what do you do to encourage yourself again uh i think for 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 me i think exercise is is such an important thing and i think this is the other thing when i talk about balance like for me i'd love to i'd love to be in the gym every night or running or doing something where i'm really pushing my limits physically and, and mentally but i think i struggle with everything else that i'm doing my weeks are always kind of so 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 busy and i can find myself where i don't go to the gym for a week and then i can that kind of gets to me and I, I stress myself out because I'm not going and training. I know that whenever I go and train, I, my head is completely clear. But when you're trying to pursue so many things and you neglect what a lot of people would say are the basic fundamental things in life, keeping yourself fit and healthy, I feel like that can that can kind of stress me out. That can that can wear me down. But I think I think generally I'm quite I am quite a resilient person. I think being in, in London, yeah, everyone has days where they feel a bit low, a bit a bit down, but. I think I'm for, I'm really fortunate to feel like I've got purpose in my life. I feel like I'm on the right path. And even if even if I have a day at work that isn't amazing or I feel a bit lost in day-to-day studying or whatever it may be, I know that I'm my life generally I'm kind of pointing in the right direction. And I've I've not got everything figured out now. I might not have everything might not have everything figured out in 10 years, but I know that the path that I'm on now is kind of taking me in the right direction. And I know that at some point in life everything will will <laughs> will click together. And I think the, the other the other side of that is I am I'm so grateful and so blessed to have so many good friends in London. I think travelling travelling for six months and meeting so many people like yourself that were either living in London or moving to London. There's this real excitement, this buzz of all these people moving to the city at the same time. And meeting people here can be tough. I mean, you meet enough people, but building building strong relationships with people takes time. I think when you're traveling and you're in these these places away from home together and you're in this kind of hostile environment, you connect with people so, so quickly. I feel like I've known you for years, Bree. It's been, in fact, it probably has been a year now, actually, but I feel like I've known you for so much longer than I have. Um, so yeah, I think that's the other side. I know I know that whenever whenever things feel a bit not, not as good as other times, I know that I can pick the phone up and go and meet you or whoever's in the city and just, yeah, just kind of get away from get away from the environment when it gets a bit a bit much it, that kind of adds into the balance and it can like and it can like steady the scales when things are a bit feeling a bit too much and it's something i do as well like i think it's it's important in life to accept that not every day of your life is going to be the best day of your life there are ups and downs in life and but as you said when you said um if you're heading in the right direction it's good it's kind of like the creative process it's kind of like learning spanish it's learning to dj like step by step if you're improving it does it like with your well-being and your mental health and where life's going it it's not going to be always smooth sailing but i think having an appreciation and understanding that can really help you and then as you said kind of having methods for how you might deal with it like if for example i find if i'm feeling quite low low energy um i mentioned this on the last bit of the podcast and i'll mention it again um someone once told me to bring your flag and see like even if you're feeling low and someone reaches out is like I want to hang out with you rather than like overthinking if I really want to do it just to just to go and just to bring my flag and just say f after 10 minutes I don't want to do it I'll leave and because who knows it might be that boost that I really needed yeah I think that's that's always the case isn't it I feel like you can overthink certain situations you can you can especially be for me being where i am in in south london it can take an hour and a bit to to get into the city sometimes and sometimes i'm like oh, do i do i want to make the effort two and a half or two hour round trip to get there and back and then i get there and usually all, all the time if you're meeting your friends it's it's nice you catch up with them you have a you have a beer you grab some food you you kind of forget about the feelings that you had before you before you actually left i, I think the other thing that that i've really learn and i feel like it's been a really important thing for me to learn about myself is is being being comfortable to be on my own i think before i moved to moved to the middle east i was always around i was around family friends loved ones and i was never really on my own and not that i was uncomfortable alone but i never really experienced being on my own being alone for prolonged periods of time i think moving to the middle east and and struggling to settle in for the first year or so and meet people and then obviously having covid I spent so much time on my own and, and I kind of became comfortable with something that used to feel uncomfortable. And I think that is something that that I'm so grateful for today. I think living on my own where I'm living in, in Croydon, although I'm I don't think I've told you yet, but I'm moving I'm moving 
further into the city soon, which is is exciting. But yeah, anyway, le- learning how to be comfortable on my own, uh, traveling solo for six months, you kind of realize that a I'm comfortable to be alone, but b when you are on your own, it opens it opens the opportunity up, opens up the opportunity to meet so many people so much more easily than you would if you were with other people. Even being in Madrid this weekend, being in the hostel on your own, you just uh, I found this this confidence that I didn't used to have to just walk up to people and, and start a conversation because if you don't do that you're on your own so it's yeah it's it's a it's a really important skill set I think for people to to try and to try and get their head around it's not easy though it takes I think it takes some time and I've I've experienced loneliness before and loneliness isn't isn't a nice feeling um but yeah the, the, there's a huge difference between being alone and being being lonely oh massively it's it's so true like i found like like yourself i had a period when i was in bristol of living alone i lived alone during the pandemic and although like you know at the start that can be quite daunting to not see people it as i found it did present opportunity like being comfortable alone finding finding like a rhythm to that but also it has allowed me in the past to actually do other stuff like you know rather than just sitting there staring at the staring at the ceiling thinking what am i doing what am i doing or overthinking it sometimes I'm like right i'm going to use this time and i'm going to i don't know start start watching some youtube videos about geopolitics or something <laughs> or um, it could be anything or you know this podcast honestly came out of me when i went you know after travels went from the summer of argentina to the winter of coventry uh, which was a rather humbling experience but if it wasn't for that in a period where i was feeling pretty low that this podcast wouldn't have came out of it. Like that's what pushed me to actually start creating. I tried so many things when I came back. I tried making this podcast. I tried uh, writing like a script for uh, for like a YouTube video series I was thinking of working on, uh, learning oh, cool. to DJ, learning to use Ableton to produce music. And that's why I'm thankful. If it wasn't for that moment of what I perceived as lonely as low, I wouldn't have been. We wouldn't be here making an episode right now. It's it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing to to. And I think I think that's where for me when I'm a I live on my own. I travel into work on my own, but I don't really use that as thinking time. Usually, I, I work nine till six every day during the week, and I get home at seven p.m. And if I'm not going to the gym after work, then I'll be cooking my dinner with a podcast on, or watching YouTube, or whatever I'm doing. And I'm or FaceTiming family, friends. So I'm, I feel like I'm always my mind's always active. I'm always doing things. But I feel like when I was traveling, one of one of my favorite things when I was traveling was to travel to actually be traveling to be sat on a bus for. Sounds a bit crazy to some people, but I sat on a bus for 18 hours, staring out the window and just really having having time to stop, switch off and just think, just 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 think about things, think about where you are in life, having times that times to actually feel grateful for the things, the experiences that you've had, the people that you've met, the things that you've got going on for you in your life now, and then even thinking about the future, having having time to stop and take some deep breaths and just think, ah, okay. This is this is where I am. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's quite an important. Thing. I couldn't agree with you more because I'm the same type of crazy as you. Where I actually love those 18-hour bus journeys because I think we're very similar in terms that we're like serial doers, doing a lot. But being in those scenarios where you're no longer doing, you just stare out the window, let your mind subconsciously wander, and kind of like think about these things naturally and have an appreciation for where you're in the moment. It's such an important thing to do. So I actually love those bus rides. I did too. For sure, it's it's. it's... I've experienced both sides. I remember when, when, obviously last week, as I mentioned, I was in Spain, in Valencia with, with uh, a friend and his family, and obviously that was a real wholesome time. And then going to Madrid, the first night in Madrid, I, we talk about these hostels all the time, Brie. It was one of those hostels where it looks amazing online. And to be fair, it was, a, it was a really good hostel. There was a rooftop bar that was open to the public, and it was one of those where there was no social space, and you're just like, ah, oh, especially traveling solo, you want a plate, you want a long table in a common area that you can go and sit at with people in the hostel and just get to know people really quickly, really easily. And the first night I was in Madrid, I walked up to, I walked up to the rooftop bar on my own, thinking I'd meet people up there. Walked out, and I realised that it was just full of people from the public, like not staying in the hostel. I'm like, fuck, I don't know who's staying here. Normally, I'd go over and just say, hi, like, do you mind if I join and just start speaking to people? But when you see people and you think, ah, oh, they on a date, they look like they're celebrating someone's birthday they look like they're local like you don't really know who you can approach so i decided to just go out go out and kind of explore on my own add some food and i remember that night i kind of thought ah oh, this is a little bit enough i kind of wanted to meet some people and um, probably got in my, in my own head a little bit but then the next day the next day i kind of went to explore went to see the Bernabeu and all the typical tourist things you can do which i don't mind exploring a city on my own 
But then that night, I kind of went went to the social activity at night, met a lot of people, went went out with them, and it was such a such a good night. And then the next day, I got up and went to a beautiful little place called Toledo on my own. And and I re I really really appreciate those moments when I'm on my own because I, I could have gone with other people. There were other people that I knew from the night before that I knew we were going, but with my interest in architecture and kind of I just wanted to go and see this place on my own and just really appreciate the the, the place that it was. It's it's like a mid- medieval city that's got so much history. And and the difference between walking around Madrid, the Madrid, the city of Madrid, alone, but wanting to meet people, and the mind, the, the kind of headspace I was in then, compared to being in Toledo on my own, but knowing that that was a decision that I made to go on my own, it was a completely different experience. I was full of excitement, like I kind of really enjoyed just going around, looking at the city, speaking to a few, a few of the locals. It was, it was amazing, but such a different experience to two, two experiences that from the outside looking in you're just a person walking around city or madrid or, or toledo on, on your own but the kind of headspace that you're in during that process is completely different uh, i I, c- I couldn't agree i couldn't agree with you more there mate and it's it is interesting like that sometimes you know you might be craving those social interactions and wanting something to happen and like fe- feeling up for it but then the next day you might not have had that social interaction the day before but you're kind of ready you're actually ready to be on your own and appreciate something by yourself which is a really fucking cool thing um yeah for but, sure for sure but but yeah i thought that was quite a nice segue into kind of wrapping up now so thanks for, thanks for being on toby it's good catching up i'll probably catch up with you outside soon uh but yeah thanks for coming on if is there anything more you want to say do you have anything to plug <laughs> or uh or are we good no i i think just thank thank you pre it's it's something we spoke about for a while and i think it's 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 good to be a part of this the beginning of this process for you i think you you're a natural at doing this so i'm, I'm excited to listen listen to the upcoming ep- episodes and just see where you take oh, this. thank you i'm hoping i don't go through the edit and hate the sound of my voice or something but uh but but now it's um, uh, there's like a big reason I chose you was not only because you do a lot outside of work. Just also I knew that there was a comfortability to it with you because we are we are good mates, of course. <laughs> no, you've got you've got a voice for it. I remember, uh, yeah, I remember the first time you mentioned this. So yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to to be on it. It's a little bit weird to to be talking on a podcast because I listen to so many podcasts, but. But yeah, I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's uh, interesting being interviewed by your mate. But here we are. But now, thanks for coming on, Toby, and take care. No worries. Cheers, Preet.